1: How would you like a free case of craft beer? Well, as a listener to our show, we'd like to thank you for listening. And with the help of our friends at Beer52.com, we can do just that. Just go to Beer52.com forward slash vision. That's Beer, the number 52.com forward slash vision to claim a free case. Beer52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club. They search out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members. There is a whole world of craft beer out there. You don't have to drink the same thing over and over again. You don't have to order beer not knowing what you like. Just get on board with discovering great craft beer with Beer52.com. Every month focuses on a new country or theme, and if you sign up now, you get the chance to try a case of the best of British craft beers as part of their Summer Bangers selection, all for free. Featuring the country's best craft brewers, such as Northern Monk, Ilkley, Red Willow, and Thornbridge—all very delicious. You'll be able to read all about the beers and learn more about how they are made in a 100-page ferment magazine included in the box. As a listener to our show, you can try your first case for free. Just pay two pounds ninety-five postage. That's it. Eight incredible craft beers delivered to you, ferment magazine, and a snack. It's a no-brainer. There's no minimum commitment. You can just take the free case, try the beers, see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause, cancel anytime. Beer 52 has a five-star rating on Trustpilot, so it's easy to see that their members love the service. Do it now. Try some craft beer. Just visit www.beer52.com forward slash vision and claim your free case today. Try it, beer52.com. It is the way to learn more about great beers around the world. Offer valid in the UK only. Arsenal win the first preseason match of the summer 8-0, and now it is time to draw massive conclusions based on that performance that will lead us to believe the treble is on. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. I mean, I think if there's anything we can agree on from the first preseason match against Bournemouth, Wood, it's that pierre Emerick Aubameyang is going to score 50 goals in the Premier League, and Arsenal are going to coast to a treble. Now, admittedly, it'll be a europa league based treble but treble nonetheless and here to discuss our treble winning uh possibilities or should i say uh probabilities uh, paul you can find him on twitter New my pants hello paul
2: certainties
1: Woo-hoo. yeah certainties and uh clive you can find him on twitter at clive p hello clive hello hello we look forward to the day when Tim will be back, and he certainly will be back, uh, but between his duties at the World Cup and some life stuff having come back you from the World
3: duties. Cup. duties. <laughs> duties,
1: yep. When he's done pooping, he'll be back on the podcast. Uh, but until then, no. Uh, we'll announce some things we're doing for the new season as the season draws closer, but for now, it is time to talk Boreham Wood, and I will start with a question that has nothing to do with Boreham Wood. Paul, yeah? what do you make of the rumors that Gazitas might be off to AC Milan?
2: Yeah, I've no di- uh, no idea really. I guess Ars blog is quite uh, well positioned on this stuff, um, so uh, he seems to think it's mostly got nothing to it, but might have something to it. I would think that Ivan is enjoying the press he's getting. If you compare where he was at a year ago or two years ago with the Arsenal supporters, and now he's suddenly the man in demand. So. You know, if if I were him with a uh, marketing bent, or I had an agent or an agent mentality, I'd be quite happy with this floating around out there. Um, But I got to say, I mean, he's already at the perfect job in football as a football exec. If I were a football uh, CEO type, can't imagine a club I'd prefer to be at. In a more perfect situation for him, power-wise, there could not be. His his master plan is to coming to fruition uh with you know in terms of Stan Cranky he he looks like the man who was right a year or two years ago and should have been listened to more fully but maybe Stan didn't feel he was in a position to do that then um you know it, it's the honeymoon period all his selections are in place and he hasn't yet screwed up because his first season hasn't started yet as CEO with a master plan mm mm-hmm um that's coming up roses i don't know why you'd suddenly go to milan He doesn't speak any italian and i don't know to what purpose and it doesn't sound like they'd pay him more and uh, they'd possibly pay him less so uh i think it's mostly bollocks that ivan's enjoying and i sure why wouldn't he
1: yeah that's so. fair uh so l- let me ask you this i mean how big a problem would it be if he left and i'm gonna stick with you because we only have you for a little bit here but uh, do you think that it would be a major issue if if he left
2: yeah yeah i do uh given that his fingerprints are all over everything i mean if he were going to leave uh at least you know we used to talk about uh leaving an infrastructure behind uh arson which we had failed to do as a club well at least he's basically done that now except you kind of got a uh, uh, to really meld the team together. They got to have worked together on real projects for a while. And now that's just starting. It would be a shame right now um, to take away the man who's put the plan together because mm-hmm. um, he kind—he should hopefully know what it takes to make it work. Um, but you've got to have a couple of seasons together as a, a backroom team uh, for it all to make sense and for, people understand the power structure and you pull him out of there and then suddenly there'll be all sorts of positioning and jostling and people getting defensive and protecting their territories. And somebody new comes in and they're kind of all at their door trying to make sure they don't lose any of their territory. So it's important to keep the uh, hierarchy and structure in place and to have a a planned transition in the future in X year's time. But X year's time could be 8 or 10 years if he's doing a good job. So yeah I think it would be a problem. I think it, it'd be very bad news for us,
1: yeah I mean there there's nothing like winning a power struggle after many years and finally being front and center and and being able to you know build a club in your image and put this team together that you want to work with and really be able to bask in in the newfound power and um attention and just fucking off to Milan i mean it's it, it is a bizarre thing' it'd be to do. crazy I, I think crazy. There, I, yeah I right. mean,
2: is there a better club in the world? To want to manage and i don't mean footballistically is there a better a bigger club than a, but i mean you know go through the candidates like city would be uh you'd be at the mercy of the politics there chelsea even more so united um could be a clusterfuck um depending on things are going well or not oh look it's uh Somebody didn't like my opinion. Um, so <laughs> Premier League... There's a shot. The that, league. Whatever that
1: notification is, it must go off a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Ivan. Um, so, fuck off. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, the Premier League is the best league. I can't think of a better club to be connected with. I can't see anything that makes more sense, really, yeah. than staying.
1: Yeah. I, I can only assume that you are blowing up for reasons not related to the fact that you're recording a podcast right now. But, look, I... I, I get your point that it is a, a good job and if you believe it's a good job and you believe he's now in the perfect time to really revel in the job it certainly raises the question of whether there's a challenge working with the cronkies and if working with the cronkies is is not something that he's particularly fond of and he takes his first chance to jump ship and go work with someone he prefers um you know at a club that arguably probably couldn't pay him the same amount, doesn't have the same prestige. He's going to be a, probably a more challenging rebuilding process, although you could say historically AC Milan are, are as big as Arsenal, if not bigger. But yeah, I mean, it, it is worrying. So Clive, I, I don't really necessarily need your opinion on whether you think it will happen, but how concerning would it be to you if Gazitis left at this point in the in the project?
3: Yeah, very concerning. I think um, I've always been a supporter of how, he's, how he operates. He's been very patient I, I think it was almost a a power struggle he didn't really he couldn't win he just had to outweight the key person and he outweighted him and did some rebuilding in the background and now he's built something that we all recognize and are getting used to and very excited about and um, but he, the job's not finished you're nowhere near finished right um this group of people just been put together have just been in the lame foundations we haven't seen them tested we haven't seen the group lose a game. We haven't suffered any adversity with them, so we don't know their true caliber yet. So you've got to go through that. You know, it's not just about appointing people; it's about nurturing people, coaching people, mentoring people, building people, helping them manage adversity, and then you you layer the organization appropriately with with better people. And that process only just started, another thing that I, I also think the next step for him is the boardroom. I've said it before a couple of months back. I think the next phase is, okay, build the team, build the people around the team during the transfer window. Support the manager, support the new people you've appointed. But then look upstairs and look at the boardroom, look at the ages of the people in the boardroom. And that boardroom needs reshaping. It needs some diversity, it needs a different demographic, it's a different age demographic. And there's only one person to do it. right? So I think he's not, remotely done yet and if he was to leave i'd be incredibly disappointed because the job is only 33 percent done you know but he has got a clear runway to really lift his club to a different stratosphere if he so chooses would you see it as An a
2: reflection ca- carriages to leave wouldn't it Clive?
1: Well, well i mean yeah, let's, not, let's not throw that word around yet just only because i think you know and, and i am the first to bombast obviously but i, I think if he leaves um putting personal Possibility aside, you know, perhaps he just loves the food in Milan or he he's very close with the the group that's taking over there, although that is a, probably a short-term situation. I think you do have to raise the the issue of whether it would reflect poorly on his relationship with the Cronkies or his interest in, in working under them. And so, you know, my hope is that he will stay and it's not even because I, I think he's a miracle worker or a messiah, but I think to the point you guys have both made, we're in the beginning of a process that he is really the architect of, and it would be disruptive for him to go now and certainly raise questions about um, the ownership group. And then also there's the possibility that we could botch the replacement, the possibility that he could try to poach Raul or Sven uh, over to Milan. I you know, I don't know the extent to which that would be permitted or possible, but there's the question of how they, how well they would work with the, the new uh, CEO. So I don't think any of us want to see that happen, and hopefully it won't. Uh, let's move on to the football side of things, though, for the moment because some of that happened. In fact, we, we won our first preseason game 8-0. I am informed that we played behind closed doors against Crawley Town and won 9-0. Uh, I'm just doing some math. Hang on, carry the one project out. By the time we play City, I believe we will beat them about, what? what is that, 13 or 14-0. So we are on pace for a pretty good season. I, I think it is clear that the one thing you want to do from the very first preseason game is draw as many conclusions as possible, firm conclusions that you do not waver from. So, Paul, I'll start with you. I am the
2: man for that.
1: That's why I'm starting with you, uh, and also because you have to leave. But So I want you to tell me which will be the bigger number, goals scored by Aubameyang or goals conceded as a result of a Socrates error. Wow. Or I I could just say center-back pairing error.
2: (laughs) Good good question. We're doing great at the back.
1: Yeah, we're great at the yeah back. No, we're we're perfect back there. I mean, to be fair, we have conceded a precise sum total of zero goals to Bournemouth no, no, and Crawley you. Town. But uh, all, all kidding aside, I mean, is is there a, a takeaway from the Bournemouth game that that really stands out for you? I mean, I know that the quality of the opposition means that you sh- you should draw very few conclusions. Maybe we we can start with this formation wise. Do you believe that that four three three that we saw that's sort of reminiscent of how we set up at PSG is potentially an indication of of what he'd like to do going forward
2: no um i i think he's going to go 4231 um sooner rather than later the big question is where he puts ramsey i guess what do
1: you base that on uh, out of curiosity just gut feeling
2: uh, his history um i know everybody says oh at psg played 433 but his preference at psg as i understood it from Reading various knowledgeable parties. Try not to do that off.
1: if you can avoid it. By the way, yeah, Re- reading knowledgeable um, parties. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I won't do it again. Um, is that he started with four two three one, but because of the personnel and because of ne- Neymar, but mainly because of the strength of some of the characters in the midfield there, who had say with the ownership and the execs and management, he was kind of his hand was forced somewhat into playing with the 4-3-3, because that's what their their midfield power brokers wanted. So he switched back to 4-3-3. Um, so I'm assuming he'll want to go 4-2-3-1 when he can. Um, it, it does raise the question of where does Ramsey play. Um, you so, still feel
1: confident he's staying?
2: No. Uh, I feel it's more likely than not. But it, it's a big issue. Um I guess the thing the the main reason I think he's staying is it's not like there's a lot of talk of him going somewhere that I've seen uh, I, mean, uh, I haven't followed every rumor out there but it's not like you know X Y or Z are hot on his trail it's not like Sanchez with City you yeah. know who's that big club that's right now chasing him knowing that trying to create a bigger gap between us and them so it seems like the real decision is does he re-sign a new contract or does he wait us out for another year and use his leverage and still be open to maybe a new contract or, or, or be in the, the strong position of making his own choices next year, which is a worry for the club because it creates uncertainty. I mean, it's got to be pretty attractive to become the club captain, a bit like Ivan's situation. You don't very often get to be captain of a top club. Where would you get that elsewhere? Um, he seems like a settled family guy, although he wants to save rhinos and and play in Spain and all that stuff from the past. You, you don't really see much of him having itchy fit, feet these days. I think he's just negotiating hard based on the kind of money Ozil earned that he gets a significantly, significantly improved deal before the end of the transfer window. So I'm guessing that's what it's about, but it could be that we don't get a contract contract signed and we're stuck in this kind of limbo where we then have to it, but we couldn't choose we couldn't sell them unless there's somebody seriously going for him and willing to pay the big bucks and I don't see that at the moment but of course it creates this whole confusion about what's the stru- best structure for the team especially with uh, ozo coming back and what kind of where will he be at mentally and so uh, Emery's got to have quite a few head scratching moments so I, I I guess what I would say about the the striker partnership is no reason not to play those two guys together because it's certainly something we're going to play sometimes during the year but I'm guessing that we're going to go into a 4-2-3-1 and we'll need a proper wide man potentially or at least using Mkhitaryan and Ozil Um, but I'm still puzzled. I'm still no clear on what our midfield two or three setup might be.
1: Yeah, I'm not totally sure. I mean, Clive, do you have any greater insight into into that I would imagine probably so so um i mean <laughs> like well let, let, let me slightly change the question he started with Lacazette up front looks sort of like he was the number 9 and Aubameyang was nominally a wide forward but he really made those out to in runs and and drifted centrally with Mkhitaryan coming in the second half i mean to you again very early first game but do you think that's an indication that he would prefer to start with Yang and Lacazette um, as as part of his first team, and that he would presumably give Lacazette the the lone striker
3: role. Uh, yeah, I am. I'm veering towards that. Um, I've cha- I've had a change of views actually. When we signed Aubameyang, I was much like you. It's got to be sent forward. What are we doing, Put him on the left wing, that's ridiculous. And then I saw him play, and um, he's obviously a free spirit. He obviously likes to be in isolation. Situations where he's one-on-one with people, where he can run into big spaces. And in the Premiership, there is no space down the centre of the pitch. And um, and it suits Lacazette's strength. Lacazette is like a smaller version of Giroud. He's a very good connecting player. He's very strong, low centre of gravity, bends his legs and really punches into people with his body power. And he twists and turns and keeps the ball moving really, really well. He sort of he tracks back and presses a bit like Firmino. He's the closest to Firmino that I've seen, and I and I think he is the number one central player. And maybe as a byproduct from the World Cup, you look at the best players in the World Cup, and and the space is really out wide. You don't want to be down the middle. People are playing three centuries, three centre mids. You don't want your star killer striker being kicked to death down the middle of the pitch. You need him free, you need him stretching people, you need him connecting people. And the way I would do it would definitely have uh, Aubameyang on the left, I'd have Lacazette down the middle, and I'd have Mkhitaryan from the right. And I'd have Yang, not playing left wing per se, but just fixing the fullback and the right centre-back. And not standing on the fullback, but standing in between. And holding people back, and his speed will just give us the opportunity to have overloads in other areas.
2: So that's so kind me, of like a two up front.
3: Yeah, like like a lopsided two up front, right? So what we don't want, we want Lacazette to be like, to be a lazy wide man. We don't want him in the corner flag making slide tackles on on the way back. So that's where Mkhitaryan comes in, and then the left midfielder would have to be somebody strong, somebody that's defensively can handle that area. And so, I, I so think who misses out then? Ozil, Ramsey, or Shaka? Uh, you know, I don't care about that, mate. You well, know, well, I, I, someone, I mean,
1: I, I, if, I, if you're starting Obama, Yang, Lacazette, and Mkhitaryan, the only takeaway I have from that is that one of, I mean, unless you're going to go Terrera, Ramsey, and Ozil, and leave Shaka out, I mean, you're you're probably leaving Ozil or Ramsey out in that lineup.
3: Well, and that's and that's absolutely fine by me. I don't really care. I, I, I happen to think that. Um, Mikatarin is going to be a major player for us. I, I really do. I think we're underestimating him. I think he's going to really push through. I think is going to have to really step up because his place is under threat. Ramsey's got to define his role. It depending Again, that's dependent on how the major sets up. Ramsey hasn't signed a contract, so let's, let's see what happens there. Um, Torreira, you'd like to think there's a level of investment there, So, in, and he seems to suit the deepest role, but he would have concerned if he played higher up on the left hand side. Um, Shaka again who's got a five-year contract in his back pocket you'd like to think there's an investment with him um, that's happened while the manager's been here so that looks interesting so it, it's up to those players that set of players you can add Maitland and Nulls and Iwobi to that group and Elneny I think they've got to they've got to fight and I think if there's going to be a victim I think it could be Elneny funny enough I think the new signing we've made looks like a faster Elneny so I don't see I don't see the point of that duplication, but um, I do like the idea of a Bam-Yang being a free spirit from the left hand side. I think if we we don't want him kicked, we don't want him crushed. We want him causing problems in wide areas, in big spaces. And I think for the Premiership, that could be the best way to utilize it.
1: I mean, Paul, you wanna you want feedback on that? I mean, do you yeah do you think those three can possibly start up front given the the other players I, that have to find a place in the team?
2: Yeah, I certainly do. And I certainly think we'll see it plenty. Uh, But I think he'll also need to have a conventional um, uh, 4-2-3-1 set up. And he's going to have to use Obama Yang through the center. Uh, But in either scenario, you're going to create a situation where... um, even with that you're going to have to leave players out. I mean it won't just be Elneny who's
1: Well he yeah, he's not in the he's not in the reckoning for a starting place anyway, so
2: Yeah, I mean uh, any lineup you come up with there's going to be some drastic decisions going to be made whether it's Mikatarian or Ozil or Ramsey or Chaka or two of them are going to miss out. So I know Clive says he doesn't care who it is. Uh, but I think that's dodging the question that I also don't have an answer to either. I mean, I I, I agree everybody's on the chopping block, but I mean those are huge
3: questions.
1: My instinct
3: uh, when when I yeah. sorry when I say I don't care who it is, is, I think Arsenal fans we have a natural inclination to want to accommodate the big names in the team, and I just don't share that inclination. I I just sure, don't. but
2: but I guess the question, Clive, is who if you. You know, if I
3: just you, think. I just
2: think. If Clive's
3: I, picking the team, who's in? I'd I'd rather wait and see how they perform. You know, I think. You, you would make a phenomenal play, politician. <laughs> I think. I think. Terreiro, I think. Terrell's going to play. He's got. He's. He knows his job, and he looks. He looks decent. I am a Shaka fan, but he's got. Work, he's got to prove it. I think. And I actually think. You know, the the player that's under the most threat. I I think is a, is Ozil, I think at the moment. Um, you know, from There's a, a reason he's coming back quick from holiday. Yeah, in he's case. better get back. right? <laughs> I, think he's un, I think he's under threat, but then he, he'll, he'll adapt, he'll adapt to the environment, he's a, he's a fantastic athlete, fantastic footballer, and he's going to put somebody under pressure. And that's what we've wanted, isn't it? We haven't, we haven't wanted the in the comfort zone. We've wanted people fighting for that shirt if they want to stay at the club. And if they don't want to stay at the club they don't want to sign contracts then I mean, we've got to sort something out but I really don't mind I think I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the formation that he ends up settling with I'm looking forward to seeing the style he ends up settling with um, the two little friendlies we've had Aubameyang and Lacazette have started and they've scored lots of goals they seem to have a fantastic relationship I don't see any managers could, that's going to sit one of them on the bench it just not make sense um, when you're trying to establish yourself, and there's that many goals in those two players, I think they're going to they're going to play, and then we have a group of players that are fighting for a shirt, depending on the formation and the style of playing. and they're going to have to show something, and and that to me is the exciting thing for the whole season. I can't wait to see how they um, push through because performance will lift up accordingly.
2: Yeah. But so I. Go ahead, go ahead. Paul. Um I just I'm about to head off in a little bit here. But I gotta say this about Borham Wood. As a Borham Wood connoisseur, which we all are, that was like a really good game. I know it's only Borham Wood. Um but you compare it to other Borham Woods where you like you don't have much of a squad, it's the kids, it's blah blah blah. Um, those were two really excellent elevens we managed to put out there in those two halves. And um, I think there's actually quite a bit you can take from it. Uh, uh, I'd love to bend your ear with what it might be, As for I won't be able to stick around for it. But I thought as Borum Woods go, that was a really good game. It, amazingly, everybody played well. Well, maybe not that amazingly when you consider the opposition, but... Quite meaningful in terms of how the teams were set up and how they played and plenty to talk about. Because normally those first two or three preseasons, there's all these weird positionings going on and you don't know if it has significance or not. But pretty much everybody played in a meaningful position, which is not normally the situation. I must say, I thought it was a, a cracker of a bore wood.
1: Well, what's nice too so, is also you. You look at things like the goals. Aubameyang scored, and you'd be like, "Oh, well, it's against terrible opposition." But look at the three goals. One is a curler from outside the box that would have gone in against City. The other is yep. a penalty that y- you cannot take a penalty better than that. So, yep. you know, it's nice to see that. And then the other one. Well, yes, okay, you could say it's down to the quality of the opposition not tracking the run. It still shows where Aubameyang is special, the pace, the instinct, the running to get to the back stick and head it down and in. I think there
2: are three good goals. Sure, and a great run by Maitland-Niles, and yeah, he might have pulled that off against a city. But it was a pretty – Boreham Wood were pretty decently set up, and we were meaningfully set up. Um, So I must say for a preseason game, it was unusually satisfying – and uh, you could pick through the bones and get some some real stuff out of it instead of some weird Singapore Eleven and all of our players playing in weird positions and and the line was it was only about fitness.
1: Sure, I'm happy to throw a lot of it out, but I, I definitely yeah. think there are things you can see in these games, even against poor opposition, that gives you some cause for for being optimistic or concerned. I mean, we might get to that a little bit after you're gone, Paul. But um, yeah. you know, just just to put my final thoughts on this this um, lineup prognostication. I really do think, and Clive, your point is well taken. You have to earn your place. But it is a business, unfortunately. And I have a feeling if you're 300,000 pound a week, Ozil isn't in the lineup. Or maybe you're about to be 200,000 pound a week, Ramsey is in the lineup. Someone's going to have a word in Emery's ear and say, uh, those players have to play. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't think he's going to get away with just n- not using Ozil, uh, even if that's for the best for the team. Unfortunately, my guess is Mikatarian and Lacazette will do a lot of rotating. So some days Mkhitaryan will start, and Aubameyang will be center forward, and some days Lacazette will start, and and Aubameyang will sort of be that lopsided wide forward like we saw against Bournemouth. Wood. It wouldn't surprise me if it goes that way. I'll finish with one last thing about this. There's no news on it. There's no rumor. This is purely gut. It wouldn't surprise me if we cut bait with Shaka. I think Torreira is the future at that position. I think that Ramsey can probably play alongside him. And if we're giving Ramsey a bunch of money, look, depth is important and having a squad is important. But if we can get real money for Shaka, it wouldn't shock me if he went. I'm not saying I want that to happen. It just wouldn't shock me. So I think, do we have to say goodbye to you, Paul? We do. Okay, well, it was a pleasure talking to you. Paul's on Twitter, uh, pausing in my pants, and we will hopefully speak to you very soon after our next uh, major news, ins or outs, or, or a, a preseason result, and I hope uh, I hope it's soon.
2: Bye, Clive. Bye, Elliot. Bye, Paul. Bye. See you later, mate.
1: Okay, so, Clive, um, one of the things we absolutely should do is touch on uh, youngsters, and I know that that is a passion of yours as someone who uh, coaches young players and, and observes young talent keenly, so... I think there are there are a lot of interesting performances to get to here. One that's gotten a lot of requests on the old Twitter for us to discuss is Emil Smith Rowe. Is that am I saying his name right? Emil. Emil.
3: Yeah. Em- Emil Smith Rowe. Emil
1: Smith Rowe. Do you have any thoughts on his performance, and maybe also just a broader sense of what kind of player he is, and how close he is to being a factor in the first team?
3: Yeah, he's um, he's been a, he's been well known obviously for a while. And when England went to the under seventeen World Cup last year. He was sort of like 12th or 13th man. He didn't quite start every game, but he had some a couple of starts and and he he came on in most games and had 25 minutes or so. And uh, he looked like he used to spend a lot of time playing wide. And uh, I know people have all said it, but it's really true. He has got a similar sort of a style of play to Kevin De Bruyne. Someone who can play wide, but also can play 10, can play deeper and, and definitely drive with the ball. But it's definitely been an explosion since um, since he'd come back after the World Cup with England. And he's really developed sh- straight through the 18s, into twenty threes FA Youth Cup team, star in that team. And he is really a driving, running midfielder with huge amounts of confidence and belief. He's got a great set piece. He's very two-footed. He can, he can receive the ball all different ways. He sort of plays through the Arsenal rhythm. He's got a level of urgency about him, and yeah, uh, he is. He could be one of the brightest prospects we've had from from for many a year. I say that with I say that with a level of hesitation because we've all seen many bright prospects, but his 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 explosion in the last sort of twelve months has been really, really significant. So it'd be interesting to see how he does at the international level, whether they um, elevate him. I'm sure he would have been in the European Under-19 squad that's playing right now in Finland for England, but a number of Arsenal players also going to Singapore, so have been requested to be left out, which I think is much better for their development than to go with the first team. So yeah, I, you know, I amongst many, he's not a secret to um, avid watchers. He's not a secret to anybody, but I've really got high hopes for him because I just love the way he plays. I like his tenaciousness. I just like his drive. I like his technique. His, his technique of set-piece is almost un-English. He's very interesting, and he's got some lovely creative finishes. He's got corners under pressure in the last third with, with assists. Elliot, mate, he's top good. player.
1: All right. I like that. Look, I mean, he's a player that wasn't really on the radar last season, and it's it's really tough because this is the hard part. I remember watching players like uh, J. Emmanuel Thomas dominate preseason matches against lesser opposition and for someone like jay emmanuel thomas that lower tier of competition was just something that he could dominate physically and from a talent standpoint but he didn't have either the application or the technique or the talent or some combination of them to have that translate to the top level and so you know while smith rowe looked fantastic to me in this game i don't want to extrapolate too much from that but based on what you said it's certainly worth getting excited about you know i i i Debated whether we should touch on Maitland Niles. I don't think we need to because I imagine we'll be talking about him a lot this season, and we've talked about him a lot already. I I almost don't think you can class him in the sort of young, um, the you know the young unknown talent uh, camp anymore because he is becoming a known quantity for us, and I think he's someone who will play a decent amount this season. Uh, Another player though who. There's obviously been a lot of hype around at times due to some uh, flashing some some talent in preseason and then he's gone off on loans and he's had some injury issues and kind of vanished off the radar. Jeffrey in Adelaide. Uh understand he scored again against Crawley Town behind closed doors today. Do you yep. have any insight in terms of what you think about uh Rain Adelaide and and what his prospects might be this season?
3: Yeah, he um also, you burst onto the scene a few years back in the Emirates Cup. I, was, I always go to those games, and I was—I was there. I think it was against um, who's a team um, that uh, De Bruyne. went to. Oh, I've forgotten now. A German team. I think it was um, the one with the Volkswagen. Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg. That's the one. Yeah. Play the game, Wolfsburg. Thank you, Elliot. You got me like two thirds of the way there.
1: <laughs> 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 we had all the syllables right.
3: <laughs> and yeah, he was. He was very good and we all got excited and we all thought it was a sure thing. And um he sort of dropped off the radar and he, he seemed to um just leveled out physically. You spoke about you spoke about Jay Emmanuel Thomas earlier on. Sometimes you get these players that are very big earlier on, and suddenly when people catch them up, they hit a plateau and disappear. And that's what happened to Jay Emmanuel Thomas. And I thought it was gonna happen to the Jeff actually. And I think he had a um a loaned, period in France last year where he did quite well playing in a sort of a Wobi type role a couple of years ago from the wide and driving in and and some of the clips that were were flashing around Twitter look quite promising but then you see him again pre-season and he's not the only one he just looks physically different he looks like he's bigger he looks leaner he looks more he looks powerful talent was never an issue but he's I felt his movement slowed down like like he just looked a bit lumbering and labouring that seems to have gone. But then I looked at a, n- a number of players at the Bournemouth game. You know, you, you can't take too much from that game. But what you can take is um, body language sometimes. You look at the urgency. Obviously, players, you know, were playing 45 minutes, so there was a, a level of urgency. But I, I'm sure, I, noticed, I noticed how the players look so lean. And I know that we are seeing lots of videos with them running, but they look so lean. I mean, Maybe they just never so much-
1: stop running. Maybe they're literally running yeah. right now. I mean, it's it's ten oh. o'clock at night, your time. Maybe they are currently running somewhere.
3: Yeah, you know, players like Ramsey, I've always questioned his fitness and his, you know, of well, sustained is amazing
1: period. If he hasn't been fit, I'd be scared to see what he looks yeah. like. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so yeah, I think he could be. He's got. He's a natural athlete, and I think he could be fitter. And I've always felt he hasn't looked. He needs to be perfect body shape wise to sustain gain three days a week. There's a couple of pictures flying around with a new haircut and, and etc. And he looks absolutely tip top. You know, he looks and so does the Bam they look absolutely Well in Jack shape.
1: Wilshire leaves and suddenly there's no one offering them cigarettes and beer in the in the dressing room. <laughs> they can finally get in a shape, for God's sake.
3: Yeah, exactly. Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, players I've questioned physically or I think need to develop physically to add some dominance in jewels. They looking incredibly well, and, and that's that gives me you know that, that that's the things I took away from um, the Bournemouth game was how the players looked, the urgency. Well,
1: rumor has it they went straight to... from Bournemouth back to the training pitch for for a second yeah, training exactly. of the day. Um, I mean, l- let's get into the negatives though, because I really feel like that's the part of the podcast where I excel. So I mean, did the defending leave you worried at all? I mean, it, again, you don't want to take too many things away from a, a game of this caliber, and def- defending probably more than any part of the pitch really is about partnerships and some experience together and these players haven't played together very much but Socrates certainly looked leggy and uh you know Borumwood gave him problems and gave us problems defensively
3: yeah again Socrates first time I've really looked at him properly and yeah again what we spoke about before earlier about him being a leadership the the talking side of things is interesting and obviously He's talking Mavropanos through the game and Mavropanos, another physical beast that's looking really, really good. I like him a lot. It'd be interesting to see if Arsenal, What is he going to be number one left centre-half? That'd be so interesting at 21-22. That's, that's a big decision. So if that's the case, then he must be really impressive in training. But um, again, for someone like, like Socrates who's 30 years of age, who knows how to do pre-season, what you do for someone like that is you pace yourself through pre-season. You don't blow up like the kids. You don't. You make sure you get through it without being injured because it's a critical part to your fitness space for the season. So if you're training twice a day and you've got a game on the Saturday, you're training after the game, he's looking after himself. I, I would like to think, I'd like to hope. He's making sure that he does this pre-season and comes out of ready for the first game of the season in about a month's time so um, I'm not worried I want to see him a few more times before we completely damn him to the ground as many people have already done
1: I, um, I, I like to make more snap judgments than that but I, I guess I will grudgingly give him till maybe the third or fourth preseason game but fine
3: uh, it, uh, you know I, I, want, I, want, I will admit I've got a worry about that type of centre half I'm, I'm looking for what he brings to this team emotionally more than um, from a playing point of view I think We lack that sort of Vincent Company-type leader that everyone follows at the back. And it's interesting, we've added two of them in in pre-season. And that tells you what we're lacking. I think we're silence. I think we lack leadership. I think we lack bravery. We lack a level of standards that have been held there that players in the past like Martin Keown used to hold our defenses to and hold our midfielders to. I don't sense that. I sense a team of very good players who play as individuals. And the moment there's some adversity there we sometimes can fold. So I'm looking for the team to be moulded together and players like him to glue the team by their actions and their words and their bravery and brave in their leadership behind their play. So I think I'm not ready to judge. the my new show of their performance when they, a non-league centre forward, bars him off the ball on the touchline. That doesn't mean he's going to be. A, that doesn't mean he's going to be a, a bad player for us. It just means he got but, moved off but the but spot. It <laughs> <laughs> but it, it could. It could. It could. And I, and I do have a 10 percent that says to me, "Well, you're not quite Rafa Varane, but you're what we have at the moment, and um, there's also a role for you to play." Of course I'd like to run, but it's not going to happen. For me,
1: that's the worry. You know, I think the only real worry for me is I think defending, and I've said this before, is so much about system and training and coaching. Obviously, some defenders are naturally very, very talented, but you take a pretty good professional defender and you put him in a good system that sets him up for success, and I think most of them can get the job done. The only thing that worries me is we don't have a central defender, not one, who I look at and I go, that's our rock. That's our quality guy. It's been Koscielny. Now, you could argue yep. Koscielny was never at that level and that was the problem, but I think Koscielny, despite all our defensive deficiencies and some of the things that I think you know we have fairly unfairly pinned on arson, still excelled and still held it together. Mustafi, Absolutely. Socrates, Mavropanos, Chambers, Holding. All of them, any of them, individually, could be okay or could be a train wreck. But there's not one of them I look at and say, that's our star central defender. And as long as he's in there, I think he can pull the rest of the group through. Certainly I don't feel that way about Mustafi. I think it almost has to be Socrates, and I'm worried it's not. Chambers holding Mavropanos aren't in the point of their career yet with it in, in terms of their experience to be that guy. And so you mentioned Rafael Varane. You know, you look around some of the teams that have that star center forward, uh, center back, and that's what I think we're missing. We don't have the one guy, Clive, that as long as he's in the group, I feel okay. I feel like the other guys can get it done. You know, whether you say, "Oh, our pairing is going to be Socrates Mustafi or Mustafi and Chambers," you know, none of the groupings you can give me fill me with the kind of confidence that well, as long as that guy's in there, we're going to be okay. Isn't that really the problem that we don't have our we don't have our one real quality center back to to patch it all together?
3: i i would agree 100 percent we we would we could all have a debate what we think is our top two i happen to think right now at a pure guess that the you know Mavrapanos or socrates would be our top two based on only a hunch It'd be a huge step on up only, from Mavropanos.
1: i mean i just look at
3: i look i look at from a right right center back left center back and um in my opinion, we have a number of right centre backs, but we don't have very many left centre backs. And the best left centre back is injured, right? So, um, and so it's a choice between Panos and Holding. I don't see Mustafi playing left centre back. I don't see Chambers playing left centre back. So, I think Panos is the one. <laughs> and I better and better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, and I think, um, and I think um, Socrates again. I guess that he's the one we've invested in. I think um he is he is the number one right centre half. I think potentially if I was to project forward I think Mustafi could be sold. And if that's the case, I think then Chambers goes up the pecking order on the right side. And I think we could end up buying a left-sided centre half if Mustafi gets sold. But um, that's my view. And, all, and players like—I mean, I've I've learned to hold my views on centre halves. I mean, I've been a bit scathing on Chambers. So I'm gonna—I've—I've I've wiped the sheet clean because you're walking it manager. back
1: now that you know we're stuck with him. <laughs> well,
3: well, uh, you know my, you know, when there was a when he signed a new contract, Fulham were coming to buy him, and then we timed down to a new contract. I mean. I actually thought it was a precursor to a loan because Everton wanted to loan him as well. He only had a year and a half of his contract or two years. So if you loan somebody for a year, that means they they come back with one year left and you're not in a strong position if they do well. So I thought maybe we put a contract on him, put him down for four years. If he comes back from a loan and he's got three years to go, then we're in a great position to, you know, get some money for the asset. But it seems as though he's gonna be a part of the plans, and that's and that's absolutely fine by me. But um, you're absolutely right. I don't see that star player. But Rafa Varane has been at Madrid since he was nineteen years of age. He's just come out of the World Cup as probably the top 10 and a half in the whole tournament. He's had a few injuries. It can take time to develop yourself to the top, top level. And we have a number of young players, so They'd be remiss of me not to
1: give them, to a, give chance. them a
3: chance, yeah. Well, so I got news go. for you
1: you don't have a choice, <laughs> so yeah, we are going to give them a chance. And I mean, the scary thing if we sell Mustafi, who I have no love for, I, I don't think that's a secret, is at some point in the season we're going to be playing Chambers and Holding or Chambers and Mavropanos and Mavropanos and Holding because at po- some point Socrates won't be available, and uh, there's going to be a lot of youth getting a chance, so we'll see what happens there. As far as rumors, let's let's do a little rumor mill bit here before we we wrap up and one of the rumors is czech departing uh any any issues with you if that is the case would you prefer to see him stay start the season as the steady hand let leno sort of acclimate and prove that he deserves the role i mean how worried would you be if we go into the season with leno and ospina as our as our two
3: yeah i think we might end up uh, i like peter czech as individual as a as a professional, I think he's top level. I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism from Arsenal fans. He's saved us many, many times in games when he must be just quite disappointed at the fact that he's got no one helping him in front of him. So I, I like him. I think he's obviously reached he's reached the end of his career. But if, ever he was to, if he was to go back to Chelsea, you couldn't begrudge him that. I mean, he's won in the Champions League, he's played over 300 or so games for them, he's a complete legend at their club, and if they're way to buy him back and his family could stay in London, fair play to you, mate, go and, go and do your bit there, and, and end up being a Chelsea coach for many, many years to come. That was what happened, good luck to him. Or Spina, I'm, I'm not a fan of Spina, to be honest, so I think there's opportunity for him to go to Boca Juniors, I read, but let's see what happens there. And so really we're looking at Uh, Macy, Martinez and and Leno and Martinez I've always liked but he's never really had the opportunity to be a consistent at the top level game in England and he's 25 26 years of age so that time is coming now. If Arsenal went into the season with those three goalkeepers it would feel a little bit risky but um, you know me I'm up for for blowing the whole thing up and changing the whole atmosphere so if that was the choice I, I could live with it um, it all depends on Martinez, but I, I'm a. Bit, I've always been a fan of his. I, I, I think he's a very decent distribution goalkeeper. He's six foot five. He's very dominant. He just needs time on the pitch to really show himself. So um, it wouldn't upset me at all if those were our two goalkeepers.
1: Okay, well that that's encouraging. Uh, what about a, a player that we are linked to? And I think it might be spurious, but we should at least touch on it. Andres Gomez from Barca. Um Mm. André Gomez has been a huge flop there. Came from Valencia. The stats community hates him. Uh, if you're familiar with radar statistics, his radars—I mean, yeah. you need like a magnifying glass to see the part of the radar that's filled in. Um, I mean, well, is there any circumstance good, where you see we could? No, it's that that you want to be the opposite. <laughs> uh, yeah, Messi Messi looks like you know a paint splatter fell on it, and André Gomez looks like after someone cleaned it up. So what uh, what would you say to that link in terms of? Credibility, and in terms of whether you know whether it's something that you would, I'm guessing not, but would would see us do.
3: I don't see a a place for him, Arsenal. I don't see it. Uh, People are trying to link the fact that Ramsey may go, and that type of player could come in. I don't see any correlation to vomit.
1: (laughs) That would be terrible. Uh,
3: I don't see any correlation to Ramdi's ability and what he could be once if he stays fit. I don't see that at all. Um, I know that in the system of Barcelona, they play Busquets in that role and they play two off of him, you know, two eights off of him. And I know he's had success in the past in a, in a two. We've got plenty of players who can play, if he went four, two, three, one, that can play in that two. Adding another one that's got. Mediocre, mediocre skill sets all around I don't feel it I little read about it today and I, 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 even the twos not look that exciting right? so um, it's not it's not one for me I, I think if we were to lose a player like Ramji I think we'd have to add something that we haven't got and I, you know, I, I heard him on the Askars last week talk about the number of dribblers that we've lost and I whole highly agree with that I think mm-hmm. We've lost a number of dribbling players. We need wide players that want to be wide. Uh, we've got young Reese Nelson, but he's young, so we can't rely on him for the season to come off the bench with 20 minutes ago to, to save us in games. Or we need situations where teams have got deep blocks. So we need to attract players to us. And how are we going to do that without a dribbler? It's going to bring two or three over to create space for other people. So I think the squad misses that type of player. Uh, and then I, I don't see Andre Gomez as a priority whatsoever.
1: Okay, well, that's good, because I, I sure hope not. And, I mean, obviously, if it's one in, one out with Ramsey, that would be disaster from what I can tell. Now, he is a dribbler, at least a little bit of a dribbler, not much of one. Um, but, man, that that would not look good. I guess, I mean, do you have any, I, you know, I mentioned you that I I think Again, pure guess out of the clear blue sky. No, no real reason for it. That maybe Shaka could go. Do you have any sort of sneaky suspicions about ins or outs that you want to share before we say goodbye?
3: Uh, I don't think Shaka's going to be an out for one. I think um, the Ramsey one. I think he's going to stay. I think Arsenal's Arsenal's open for business, mate. we the rumors are going around that we're that we're serious again and um, off the pitch and you know the fact that Ozil even coming back from holiday early. This is Mesut sick, No Ozil coming back from well, holiday early. Can I stop early? you for
1: a second? Because you, you just got me to a topic that I think is really interesting and I want to get your your thought on it before I forget it um, because mm-hmm. I have the, the brain of a, of a fruit fly. Um, You know, Mesut Ozil maybe has felt too big for Arsenal at times. I mean, he has a bigger Twitter following than the club does and or he did yeah. at one point. And, you know, he came from Real Madrid and he was a World Cup winner. Do you think that the the humiliation with the german team the scapegoating that happened to him and really unfair and some of it you know racially motivated and or ethnically or however you want to say it motivated um yeah. do you think that maybe you know I hate to say it this way cuz this sounds really opportunistic at someone's misery but that it could be the best thing for Ozil at Arsenal that he no longer feels this club is too big for him that he feels that his stature in the game has taken a hit that he comes back wanting to show you know fuck all y'all fuck all y'all who think I'm not still one of the best fuck all y'all who think I'm the reason Germany lost and that that you know with a new coach and with competition for places and with the the sort of humiliation that he's endured the humbling he's endured that maybe we see a very you know, and I hate to go body language and effort and all that, but that we see a much more motivated Mesut Ozil than maybe we've seen in the past?
3: Well, everyone else looks motivated, so why, I don't see a reason why he should come in and suddenly not be motivated.
1: But specific to his condition, too, I mean, what he's gone through, do you think that helps yeah, him vis-a-vis I, I, club? I think
3: so. I think that's the hope of many fans. that he's He, he potentially well, you know, has lost his um, international career, potentially. It's going to be quite difficult for the coach to pick him again, given the... The atmosphere created by the, the right wing lashed back to the um incident with the Turkey president. So, it's a very difficult environment for him. Um, so, internationally, he may not be playing for a while. So, Arsenal is his medium. Arsenal is his platform. And if you want to be that player, you've got one place to show it, and that's playing for us. And There's no issue with talent, is there? There's no issue with that. We can question certain... Certain parts of the application to his. Game. And he certainly
1: has a strike force to excite him, right? I mean, he's not he's not laying on through balls for Giroud to try to catch up to. No offense, Olivia, I love you, obviously. Congrats and all that, but I mean, uh, he's laying him on for Aubameyang to blaze onto and Mkhitaryan, who he obviously has a kinship with, and Lacazette, who has the technique. I mean, he, you're right. Like, if he's ever going to impress again, he's going to have to do it at Arsenal. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he does. And, and people talk about effort and things like that. I, I like to see him add a little bit more authority. Just a bit more authority in his game. Just to say, to own the moment a little bit more. He's a natural sort of deferent character. And he defers to others. And he likes to give to others. And I think I like to see him show a bit more authority and selfishness. To say, I'm the man that's negotiated at 350K and this is why. Right, and I'm going to use this place as my platform. And when he does that, we all have to reshape our thinking about who should be playing and who shouldn't be playing because when he turns up, it's it's over for everybody. But those days are not very often. And so if you're the new manager now, you're looking for a level of performance that t- doesn't happen every six weeks, just happens every week or every other week at the worst. And then we're going to have a, a very good player in our hands. I think the whole club is taking a lift I think everyone's trying to impress everybody. Everyone's trying to position themselves. I hear people talk about pre-season say it doesn't matter. For somebody that's been inside the football clubs and and looked at how they operate, trust me, pre-seasons matter very, very much because that's when hierarchies are set. That's when pecking orders are set. And every single training session, every single run, every single bit of data is being looked at right now to see who's looking after themselves off the pitch, who really wants this, what are, what are your numbers saying? Don't think for one minute that numbers that you read in your stats world are not duplicated on the training pitch because they are, and that's that hierarchy is being set right now. And I think um, Errol needs to get back. He needs to get back into that environment because things are moving fast, and he needs to establish himself. And that's why he's coming back from holiday.
1: And I want to just uh, add on to something you just said there about pre-seasons mattering what I would argue is part of the problem for Arsenal has been preseasons weren't able to matter because players like Alexis and Ozil just weren't part of them for so long that our most important players could not yeah. be integrated. And and this preseason is such a special opportunity because every player of note is going to have a really good lengthy preseason under their belt with the possible exception of Torreira. I don't know when he'll be brought in. It may be late and it could be a situation disappointingly where Terreira is not really part of the first team squad until – into you know mid September, but I think this preseason has the chance to matter precisely because the the squad is going to be together, and it's really exciting. And I I think the the team is talented. The one thing we are seeing is the teams in that big group of six near the top, they're not fucking around. I mean. United are united. They have all the money in the world. City are getting even stronger, adding players that they didn't even need. Liverpool are going and spending big. They must feel they are close and they are trying to close that last bit of a gap they feel that they have to get there. To just be in the top four is getting harder. And I think we have the talent to do it. But it's going to be a really important season for us because the the teams that have top four football are really using that leverage. You know, they're not they're not sitting on their laurels like we, unfortunately, maybe did a little bit. You've got Liverpool, maybe wrongly, maybe wrongly, spending huge sums of money on what they feel are the final pieces of the puzzle. But they are taking that Champions League football and trying to cement their place with it. And, you know, we that's what we're trying to claw back. So it'll be interesting. Um, I think I'm perfectly happy to leave it there if you are. I, I guess, uh, do you have any other pressing topics you need to get to before
3: we say goodbye? No, that was a good, great point. I just think that for Arsenal to come back, we have to come back with a competitive spirit and edge. And I think if we bring that urgency and competitiveness and layer it on top of our talent, I think we could surprise a few people. But I think that I think the, the, the buys of the two elderly defenders that we're questioning, we're going to really need those guys because if we're going to solidify ourselves, we're going to need that sort of leadership from the back because that's where we were sorely lacking. And I think... I'm looking forward to seeing that unit and that leadership and that competitiveness and seeing where it takes us. And, yeah, I can't wait for it all to start.
1: Well said, as always. My friend Clive's on Twitter at ClivePAFC. Thanks, Clive.
3: Thank you, my son.
1: Yeah, thanks again to Paul. Hey, by the way, give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about Tim. Don't – you know what? He's working really hard. He's doing the best he can. Don't write nasty things about Paul. Maybe about Scott. I don't know. write him about someone. Write him about someone else. Write him about a competitor. I don't know. You know, Just write something nasty about someone. In any event, uh, we have a lot of exciting new things coming for the upcoming season. We'll tell you a little bit more about that when that gets closer. I hope you're enjoying your summer. It is a bit of a tough time. We don't have a lot of uh, televised preseason football for a while, and the World Cup's over, so I hope you're getting through that okay. I hope your summer's treating you well. We really appreciate you listening, and we will come back and talk to you more after the next major Arsenal event or game, whichever comes first. Cheers.